Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for uh, a time to reflect this evening on uh, your death. And we thank you uh, that we serve a God who is willing to die for us and to take away our sins. And and we thank you you didn't stay in the grave. In three days you were re- uh, resurrected and you're alive today. And uh, just, just uh, touch our hearts tonight with the truth uh, of what we're going to be looking at. Your prayer while you were on the cross. Uh, Holy Spirit, illuminate this message and make it real tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to look at one of the prayers Jesus prayed on the cross. Um calling this Good Friday, Father, forgive them. And so this is going to be a familiar passage to many of you, but I really want to take a deeper dive on it. If you look on the notes under number 2, And you may be familiar with this, but Jesus said eight different things when he was on the cross. And which to me that's remarkable. I mean, if I'm on the cross dying of of crucifixion, I'm probably not going to be talking too much or feeling like praying or telling, you know, John the apostle, "Hey, take care of my mom." And, you know, "Mom, John's going to take care of you." And all the things that he said, it's pretty remarkable. I have them all written here, and they're all very significant. but we don't have time to unpack all eight of those that might literally take till midnight but we know the one prayer he prays you know god why have you forsaken me that's uh, very well known and he has a little conversation with a couple of the thieves and he assures one of them has salvation which is very important because even at the last moment of our life we can give our life to the lord and he honors that which is It, that just displays the incredible riches of God's grace because we could live completely disconnected from God in the very last second say Jesus I just want to be with you and okay that's good enough and that's worth a message and like I said he gave the care of his mother to his top disciple John and that's significant because he's thinking about people even while he's dying I mean imagine that I get a like I have a head cold tonight and I'm thinking I If I have a head cold, I can't think about people. There he is hanging on the cross dying and the sin of the world's coming upon him and he's thinking about mom and John and praying and I what a man. He says I thirst, it is finished, all these significant things, but I really want to dive into Luke 23 verse 43. I'm sorry, verse 34. Switch that up. And this is one of the prayers he prays. He's dying, he's moments away from death, and he says, "Father, this is a prayer he prays. This is the first good Friday. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing." That's a real prayer. It's one of the most significant prayers in the Bible, obviously because God prayed it. 
But it shows us that forgiveness is that important to Jesus. That one of the very last words, I mean, we think of, you know, when someone says their final words, like what's the last thing they say before they go to be with the Lord? That's usually the most important, you know, throughout the Bible it is. And, you know, and just in, in our in our in our life, you know, when someone says, here's my final word to you, it's like, ooh, I got to write that down. But one of the very last things he says is related to forgiveness, which that shows us this is, I mean, he didn't say like, God, deliver me from this. Or, you know, he wasn't praying for signs and wonders and those are all important. But forgiveness made the top eight of the last things he said. Again, I'm believing for miracles, revival. I'm totally into that. (laughs) That was just an example. But, you know, the very person who, when he taught his disciples, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, you know, our Father, heart in heaven, you know, that prayer. And he slipped in there as we, you know, forgive us as we forgive our debtors or forgive our, our debts. The same person who taught us to pray forgiveness lived it to the very end, literally. And, and the, one of the very last things out of his mouth is, God, they don't really know what they're, they don't get what's happening. And I understand that. Please forgive them. Have mercy on them because they don't know what they're doing. It's such a, a tender moment in, in, in God's heart. And I want to just look at three things that this means. And I would encourage all of us just to think about the, the meaning of these words because really 2,000 years ago, this was going through his mind. I'm, I'm dying and the sin of the world's coming on me and there's a lot happening. But it's like he's saying, I want to make sure there is no unforgiveness in me. There is no bitterness in me to the very end. And I think, what a, just a, what a remarkable thing to be thinking. So under number one here, one of the uh, three things I want to just extrapolate from this prayer is that Jesus refused to take unforgiveness and bitterness to the grave. He absolutely refused to have one iota. I mean, think of... There was no greater injustice that's ever taken place before or since because he was the only perfect man to ever live. He has never sinned. And so he was never the source of any conflict ever. He was never the problem, the only person that could claim that. And yet, being God, he said, I know I'm not wrong, but I'm willing to be wrong for everybody else. I mean, that's just incredible humility. He took on so much injustice in taking on our sins. And he had, of anybody that's ever lived, he's had the right to be mad. He's had the right to be angry. He's, he could have been like, do you people know who I am? I'm God. And you've, I mean, he could have said, I mean, all the things we want to say when we get mad, he, he could have said it and then some. But he said, no, Father, forgive them. I know they don't understand. I mean, what? The man who could have claimed the most injustice decides to forgive. It's just so amazing. And I think in that there's a lesson for us. Are we holding on to anything? Is there anything that that we're like, I'm taking that to the grave. I can't ever forgive that. And I I would urge us all to just look at the example of Christ and say, if the man who is going to face them, or he could have complained the most, if he didn't, 
If he didn't hold on to anything, we shouldn't either. Now, when it says, Father, forgive them for they, the them and the they, it's many groups of people because it wasn't just one person that put him on the cross, okay? His own disciples betrayed him. So they're included in that. But I have a list of them. There were the, uh, the Roman soldiers, of course. They physically put him on the cross. So there's the Roman centurion. There's the many soldiers that they do this for a living. They literally just nail people to a cross and that's your punishment. So there's those people. There's the religious system and all of its leadership, the Pharisees and Sadducees that accused him of blasphemy and and said no your sentence is just you've claimed to be god and we believe that's blasphemy so we're going to crucify you so they're included in it then there's the governmental leaders that got involved there's Pilate and caesar and all of these people who approved it and then there's the whole nation i mean he's the real messiah that's going to deliver israel but all of his countrymen give him over to crucifixion and his disciples and specifically Judas there's so much betrayal and misunderstanding and he of anybody he could have said I've been wronged politically I've been wronged by the religious system and leadership I mean he could have checked every box and said I refuse to take this for everybody but he's the he went as a lamb led to the slaughter what an incredible God I mean, it, he's the kind of person you want to worship. I mean, there's, just, there's no one like him. As it says in the Song of Solomon, he's chief among 10,000. He's, he's preeminent. He took our sins for us, and, and, and there was just so much injustice that he had to walk through, so much unfairness, so much that he could have said, I, I am so angry. But he just, it's almost like, and it doesn't say this explicitly in the Bible, but it's almost like one of the very last temptations that the enemy tried to slip in. Because, of course, if he has one sin on his record, he can't be the spotless sacrifice. And so it's like the enemy's warring against his soul to the very end. Can I get him to sin? I can't get him to not do the cross. He's determined. But can I get him to slip up when he's broken and crushed and he's dying and he can barely breathe and he's in the very last you know, moments of his life. Can I get him to just be bitter at God and everybody else? And he couldn't. It's remarkable when you think about it. He, to the very end, was interceding and praying and thinking about mom and just taking care of, like he's administrating his ministry while he's gasping for breath and bleeding out. It's just incredible. I mean, I try to put myself in that scenario and I'm just like, someone shoot me. <laughs> I can't, I can't endure but he's, he's, you know, you may have seen on social media, I've seen a lot of people post about, um, there was the gentleman who, he lived during World War II. What was his name? He was, uh, he kind of was the one that tried to take out Hitler. Does anybody remember this? Bonhoeffer. And there's this famous quote about Bonhoeffer that someone was observing his death and said, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the way he died was like the most surrendered way I've ever seen. He just accepted his fate as the will of God. And it just, it's such a moving quote because it's so like, oh my gosh, if I was going to get hanged, I wouldn't like, <laughs> well, take me another way, Lord. But even beyond Bonhoeffer, there's Jesus who is just so fully surrendered to his 
destiny of redeeming the world by means of going to the cross, that he could even be having a prayer meeting while hanging on that crucifix. It's just incredible. So the first thing that just sticks out and glares at us, Jesus refused to be unforgiving. And it's an example to us, even in our great pain, can we still forgive and let that go? Because it's so powerful when we do. We'll look at that in a second. Now there's the perspective of forgiveness. So number one, the power of forgiveness. I'm sorry, the prayer of forgiveness. We'll get to the power in a moment. The prayer of forgiveness and then the perspective of forgiveness. Because as Jesus is on the cross, he realizes there are things happening that no one can fully understand. There are things unfolding that no one can get. In fact, I have it written here, Second First Corinthians, rather two six through eight. It says that if the rulers of this age knew what they were doing, if they had known that they were crucifying the Messiah, they wouldn't have done it. This is what Paul's writing to the Corinthians. None of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Jesus understood the cross better than anyone, and he knew there was so much ignorance involved. He knew that Pilate could not have known, and Caesar could not have known, and he knew that the unbelieving Jewish population could not have really known he was the Messiah. It was hidden from them because the the plan of God was to go to the cross to save not just the Jewish people, but anyone who would believe upon the Lord. And so there was, a, there was a blindness that was necessary. And so he, he had this perspective, this theological perspective that was so much bigger than, than we can really know. But there's a point in that. There's this point that forgiveness, because of everything Jesus knew, he knew everything that was happening. And so forgiveness was... It was the right thing. I mean, he, he knew they didn't know. And for us, forgiveness, I have written here under number two, forgiveness is what we would do if we knew what God knew about our situation. Jesus looked at that whole situation on the cross and he knew everything that was happening. And so for him, it was a no-brainer to forgive. But in our situations that seem so complicated and hurtful and painful, we have to go, you know what? If I knew what God knew, And I saw what he saw, forgiveness would make sense. So I'm going to forgive anyway, because I know it's best. And so forgiveness is not always based on like, I have all the understanding Jesus. For us, we forgive by faith. We know it's right. We know it's the best move. There's never a situation where it's warranted to go, I'm not going to forgive you. No, as believers, it it is our joy. So you know what, you really wronged me and we're probably not going to be best friends for a while and we're going to have boundaries now, but I forgive you. I mean, (laughs) there's a whole other message that I could give on just the practicals of forgiveness, but me forgiving you or you forgiving me, depending on what the sin was, it doesn't mean we're just buddy-buddy again right away. But we cancel that account and we don't hang it over their head. But sometimes there's boundaries involved. And so that's just Holy Spirit, let that be applied <laughs> as it makes sense. But yeah, some, te- some people have this idea of forgiveness that's like, okay, what, are we best friends now? And it's like, no, we're not best friends. You like, 
you like kicked my dog. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to be, you know, we're kind of, I forgive you, but let's, you know, have a, a minute apart for a second. So there's, there's a perspective when it comes to forgiveness. If we knew what Jesus knew, we would just forgive people. And, you know, I, I've been aware of, you know, being in ministry, you hear situations that are so painful, but there's really no other way forward other than that person so hurt me, but I choose to forgive them. And I'm going to let God take care of that situation. It's just, it's, uh, it's unfruitful and it hurts us even more if we just hold on to that bitterness and we don't forgive. Let's look at uh, number three, the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. Let's uh, read Mark 15, verse 39. It says, When the centurion who stood opposite him, when the centurion, so that's one of the soldiers, he's watching Jesus be crucified. When he heard Jesus cry out, when he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, and when he heard... Jesus say, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, in the Mark account, there's another instance where it says right before death, Jesus cried out again, but we don't know what he said. And so there's, he says a number of prayers. Got a little excitement back there. Okay. (laughs) It's one of the perks of having a two-year-old. Makes every message interesting. I don't know where I was going with that. Zeke threw me off. But the centurion is watching and he's hearing these prayers and he hears this, you know, he, he's watching everything. And he watched Jesus say, hey, you, you on the next to me, you're going to be in paradise. And he, he watched Jesus take care of his mom and he watched Jesus say, Father, forgive them. And he watched the whole thing. I mean, a lot of people did. And this is the, this is the really... I mean, when you think about Roman execution by, by a cross, it is very... I mean, this isn't like... Okay, I'm, I'm going to try to keep this PG here, okay? So when you think about dying on a cross in real life, you're hanging there for hours and... People are watching you and talking to you. So you're, you're dying and people are like having conversations out there. It's not just physically demanding. It's not just physical torture. It's psychological torture. And, and this is the element that I don't think we, you know, we consider it like a Bible story. So we sanitize it. This is some of the most brutal torture you'll ever, ever conceive of. So you're hanging for hours, you're thirsty, you're hot, you're in pain that's, you know, beyond childbirth kind of pain. And people are cursing you. And, you know, at the, other people are crucified next to you or trying to talk to you. I mean, it's just psychological torture. And even in that raw, just absolutely just crushed state, he convinces someone He's the son of God. And I just think, what a man. I mean, of all the things that would be going through me and perhaps you, 
I wouldn't probably be acting like Jesus while I'm dying on the cross. But here's the thing. When you, when you cut Jesus, when you poke Jesus, the only thing that comes out is Jesus because he's 100% Jesus. The man's not going to sin. And so the more they cut him and sliced him literally and figuratively, the more they scoffed and put thorns in his head, the more they tried to get at him, the more Jesus just came out. The more he suffered, the more glory just poured out of him. And the more people saw that that's the real son of God. And there were people who put him on that cross that saw everything and thought that man suffered so well, I want to follow him now. And I just think to myself, wow, I want to go that way. I don't want to go hard for Jesus my whole life and then the last week or month or year or whatever kind of lose my witness. I want to go hard to the end like Jesus and no matter how I go out of this world, no matter what I got to do, I, I want people to see Christ. And I just, I stand amazed that one of the very people that put him on that cross, he said, truly that man was God. And so because of the way he forgave, because of the way he carried himself, he gets another believer. He gets another one that signs up just because they saw the whole thing. And it makes me ask this question of me, and I'll lob it to you guys. You can take it for yourself. But when we go through hard times, when we suffer, do people see Jesus in those seasons too? Or is it only Sunday morning when, we, when we've had good coffee? Do people see Jesus in our good days and our bad days? Do people see Jesus only, you know, when things are well? Or do when they see us suffering and going through hard times, can they see Christ? That's a tough question. But I believe as we surrender to the Lord, as we submit our lives to Him, there's an, and there's an element where, not just when we're at our best, but when we're at, we're at our worst, people can you go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow that person because they're, they're the real deal. And that's what they said about Jesus. I want people to see Jesus in us, even in our tough moments. Because here's the reality check. We're all going to have tough moments. We're all going to, I mean, think about all of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine right now. They're going through a tough season. And many of them are choosing to serve their country. Many of them are choosing to, uh, many of the churches there are, are providing aid for the wounded. I mean, that, it's just so hard in so many places of the world. And yet, we're called to be a witness. We're called to be salt and light, whether we are feeling good or not feeling good, we're doing good or not. And so let's just learn from the example of Jesus. Let's even in our most broken, most suffering times, because they, they'll come. Let's in those seasons say, Lord, I don't even know if I can be a witness right now, but I want people to see you through this. Man, I've been reading the Psalms like on repeat. You know, it's like I just clicked repeat on the Psalms. I just keep reading them over and over, all 150 of them. And the amount of times David was just like, Lord, I am just really oppressed. And then, you know, the next verse is like, yay, I love you again. And, but, you know, we, if he went through hard times and he's a man after God's own heart, we're all going to go through these tough times. And let's allow people to see Jesus shining through even in those moments.
And so the prayer of forgiveness, the perspective of forgiveness, the power of forgiveness. On this Good Friday, I'm just going to read this last thought at the very end. On this Good Friday, let's be reminded and let's be empowered to forgive and continue to forgive. Let's remember that this is germane to the Christian life. We forgive and we continue to forgive. Because here's the thing. You know, we've all been hurt in some way where that emotion comes up again and again. And we just, I forgive them again. We can't control those emotions. I mean, we, we can say, I forgive and forget, but we, we remember. Our emotions remember. Our thoughts remember. And so we just keep forgiving. Let's do that. Let's be empowered to forgive and continue to forgive till our very last breath, even as Jesus showed us. What I'd like to do, just to close this time, I just want to take one or two minutes. We're going to be just kind of quiet, except Zeke gets to be loud. <laughs> Two-year-old or below, you get to be really loud. But just, if I'm sharing and you're like, oh, that situation again, or oh, that person, or ah, we're not going to tell anybody, but just you and God, maybe in your mind or just real whisper, just for one minute, let's just say, I forgive that person again. Um, I'm just going to stop and I'll be quiet for just one or two minutes. We'll do that and then I'll officially close and we'll, we'll gather for just a, a group prayer time briefly. But I just wanted to, if, if the Holy Spirit's kind of searching your heart and you're like, yeah, there's that thing and that person, just say, I forgive them, God. Bless them. I know they didn't really fully understand I'll stop there and just let's for a minute or two, let's just choose to forgive. Let's do about one more minute. Just as you're reflecting, just if something comes to mind, just give it to the Lord. Jesus, we just thank you once again for this Good Friday evening. Lord, as we think about the cross and we think about the prayer of forgiveness that you lifted up, Lord, you wanted nothing to do with unforgiveness, nothing to do with that bitterness that ravages the soul. And so, Lord, we just ask that you'd make us a very forgiving people. Help us to be a radically forgiving, even as you were even as we experience injustices, even as we experience hurt and pain. Help us to let it go and place it at the foot of the cross. Help us to see people as You see people, Lord. Lord, we live in a world of sinful people. We live in a church of sinful Christians and we all hurt each other. We say, I forgive You. I forgive those leaders. I I forgive my brothers and sisters in Christ. I forgive unbelievers who know not what they're doing. 
Lord, we choose to forgive. Lord, we remember your prayer to forgive forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, we just cancel that debt. Anybody that we feel owes us anything because of the way they've sinned against us, we cancel that. We say, Lord, forgive them. Bless them. Help us to be a forgiving people, Lord. And I pray, God, that even as we have reflected on this tonight, that that we would even experience in some measure a resurrection of, of emotions, a resurrection, places where we choose to forgive, even when it's hard. I pray for even a, a resurrection of uh, just healing in those emotions, healing in those places of the heart and mind, and even in those relationships, God. I pray, Father, that, um, that throughout this weekend, there would be just even a rich sense of your presence, Lord. Uh, from Good Friday to tomorrow to Easter Sunday, Lord, I just pray that your your presence would be among us, uh, your presence would be among our families, and we would truly feel like, man, this this God we serve is truly alive, and He's alive in me. And uh, Lord, we just lift up all of the Easter church services that are going to be going on, all of the different uh, ministries and, and gatherings. Lord, we bless each and every one of them, Lord. Let many come to know the Lord this weekend. Let many come to know this risen Christ who died and yet three days later was risen and is alive today and is willing to have a relationship with anyone who would call on His name and follow Him. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this evening. And we just pray that your presence uh, would go with us uh, the rest of this night. In Jesus' name, amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.